And then it says, they love not their lives unto death. That's how much they gave themselves to the cause of Christ. And why? Because he gave his life for them. Amen? You know, let me just give further instruction here. Do you know why we worship the way we worship? And Eric, you gave a very good example. But this is for those that are out there. It says this in Psalm 47. Oh, clap your hands, O you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That's why we clap. That's why we shout. Psalm 150 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything let everything I said let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord Psalm 134 and 2 says lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord And then Psalm 96 and 1 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. That's why we do what we do. The Bible says that the trees of the field will clap their hands. Jesus said if we hold our peace, even the rocks would cry out. We can't let inanimate objects outdo us as creation. We have got to praise God with everything that's in us. So I just wanted to clarify that fact. So it's good to be with you all today. We have not gone to another church. We are still here under a wonderful pastor. And... uh, I just love submitting myself to him. And when I'm not in the pulpit and we're away from church, he submits himself unto me. Because I'm his dad. So, God is good. And I would like to talk to you um, about a very serious subject because what is going on today in the world should really cause us take notice and do the right things, not some of the times, but all the times. So I'm going to be reading from Joshua, the 24th chapter, verses 15 through 18. And I can't tell you how many times this has been preached from, how many times it's been mentioned. But it's a very, very instructive portion of Scripture to all of us. Joshua speaking at the very end when all things were pretty much put in order and they all were inhabiting the land of Canaan. 
And he made this last declaration to them. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight, and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. I want to talk to you about life choices. Life choices this morning. So, before you're seated, I want to pray again, but I want to pray for a situation that just came to me. Um, Brother Marshall Newell has a man in his church that murdered his son. He was 12 years old, and he was on the run. And he was supposed to meet him yesterday and turn himself in. He didn't meet him, but he did send him a note saying he was going to kill himself. So Brother Newell has asked that we pray so that this man will do the right thing. So let's go before the Lord. God, we come to you this morning knowing that you have the ability to do all things and do them perfectly well. So God, we pray for this individual, God, that he would come to his senses. God, not let the devil arrest his mind. and God, turn himself in. Lord, we just pray right now that God, you would do a miraculous thing. And God, touch Brother Newell, touch his church, concerns that they have, we pray. God, in the name that is above every name, in Jesus' name, and everybody says, Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, Life Choices. And you may be seated. Life has been described by many as a series of choices. And that's partly true. Obviously, there are times where we are impacted by things we did not choose. Um, I remember some years ago, my wife, during the winter, was at a stoplight, and a guy was coming too fast, and because it was snowy, he hit her in the backside, and it really jerked her. So that was not her choice to have that kind of thing happen. And then also, there are some of us that are afflicted with illnesses, diseases that were not our choice. However, I will say this. There are some of us that exacerbate things in our life because of the things that we do choose to do. And I'm I'm just going to put it out there. We take illegal drugs or we misuse prescription drugs. We drink alcohol. We smoke. We do those things, and those cause problems, but it's because we choose them. Okay? But when it comes to responsibility, 
that we have to live life and do it. Um, what we have to understand is that each and every one of the choices that we make have their own consequences. They have their own consequences. And so we have got to understand that. I know that when we were younger, our parents told us when to go to bed, when and what to eat, and those things helped us as we started to grow and helped us to understand what it meant to make choices. Even now, I'm married and my wife tells me at times what things to wear um, and uh, what looks good and what doesn't look good on me. So, Eleanor Roosevelt said this, one's philosophy is not best expressed in words. It is expressed in the choices one makes. In the long run, we shape our lives and we shape ourselves. The process never ends until we die. And the choices we make are ultimately our responsibility. More than what you say, it's how you live your life. Actions speak louder than words. It's another way of saying what Eleanor Roosevelt said. William James said this, when you have to make a choice and don't make it, that is in itself a choice. You've already made a choice not to move. So life, would you not agree, is made up of choices? Everything you do in life is the result of something that was made by you. Um, you being here in service today was a choice. Um, what you're wearing was a choice. The place you're sitting was your choice. Your spouse or lack of spouse is a choice that you made. So all of life, all of life, everything is a choice. Your life today is affected by the choices you made yesterday. And your life tomorrow will be affected by the choices you make today. Gordon MacDonald illustrated this in a book that he wrote, The Life God Blesses. And using a true story, MacDonald effectively illustrates the importance of building a life with storms in mind. It's not always calm. It's not always peaceable. And I'm, I'm not saying um, Murphy's Law, whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. But things do go wrong. So listen to this story. In the autumn of 1992, Michael Plant, a popular American yachtsman, set sail for France on his state-of-the-art sailboat, the Coyote. Every aspect of his equipment was the epitome of modern sailing lore. Additionally, Plant had purchased a brand new 406 megahertz emergency position indicating radio beacon, which was capable of transmitting a message to a satellite in the event of difficulties. When Plant set sail, he had everything, the best of expertise, experience, and equipment. And he and his friends were confident that absolutely nothing 
nothing could go wrong. But something did go wrong. Eleven days into the voyage, radio contact with Michael Plant was lost. Initially, the radio silence raised little alarm because it was known that there were violent storms on the track of Plant's course, and everyone assumed that he was too preoccupied battling the weather to establish contact with his home base. However, after several days of radio silence, the confidence of family and friends waned and was replaced by growing apprehension. A search was launched, and as airplane pilots and ships came into the general area of Plant's course, they were on alert for any emergency signals from Plant's EPIRB. But days passed with no signals or sightings. And it was discovered later that Mr. Plant never even registered his IP or EPIRB signal with the Coast Guard. And then the news that no one had ever expected was received. The coyote was found floating upside down. By the crew of a freighter 450 miles northwest of the Azor Islands, with no sign of plant. Everyone in the sailing world must have been surprised that when the coyote was found, it was upside down in the water. Sailboats, it is said, do not capsize normally. They are built to take the most vigorous pounding a sea can offer. Sailors allege that a sailboat is the most natural of all sailing vessels, and it will always right itself even if a wind or wave were to momentarily push it over on its side or even upside down. The answer to why Michael Plant's sailboat was discovered floating upside down in the Atlantic Ocean was soon to become clear. You see, in order for the sailboat to maintain a steady course and in order for it not to capsize, but to harness the tremendous power of the wind, there must be more weight below the waterline than there is above it. When the Coyote was built, an 8,000-pound, four-ton weight was bolted to the back of the keel for this very reason. However, when the Coyote was found floating upside down, the four-ton weight was simply missing. Whenever and however that happened, the boat's stability was compromised. The first wave or wind of any magnitude became the probable death blow. And when it came, it may have happened so fast that Michael Plant had no time to send any kind of signal. No weight below the waterline to ensure stability, no emergency radio in operational condition, no time to take countermeasures. The result, the very capable, experienced, and much-admired man was lost at sea. Listen. When the storms happen, we learn more about what's below the waterline of our existence than we could have learned in any other way. Sub-waterline issues seem so important when the seas are calm and the wind are favorable. So it's only when the storms hit and sometimes catastrophic things happen that we are likely to ask different questions. 
Why wasn't the weight better distributed? What happened to the keel? Where did the boat's designer or the boat's builders make their mistakes? And once the boat was launched, why wasn't the radio operational and properly registered? Why would an experienced person sail into a potential stressful situation for which he or she was not optimally prepared? To be sure, listen, to be sure, life can be understood backwards. It's called reverse engineering. But it must be lived forward. The old saying is hindsight is always 20-20. To be successful in dealing with the storms of life that will certainly arise, one must plan ahead. One must plan ahead. You need to deal with the sub-waterline issues. Those things beneath the surface in the hidden crevices of your heart and mind long before the wind begins to blow. See, a lot of times we put on a pretty face. But lurking deep beneath are things that cause us shame and guilt. And when things begin to happen in life, we start to cover up. Or we shy away. God didn't make us that way. He didn't. God put intelligence inside of each and every one of us. That's why it says we were made in the image and likeness of God. We've got a mind, and that mind should be used properly. When it comes to making decisions, everything, everything should be based on the Word of God. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is, listen, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of one's heart. God knows through His Word what you're thinking and what you're about to do, and He puts in there a package to help you. So here are some tips for future using from another shipbuilder. Number one, stand on the promises of God. Stand on the promises of God. Mine the Bible. Don't just read it. Mine it. The Bible gives you encouragement, particularly for your personal situation. Claim those promises allowed by faith at least once a day. It's not a coincidence that the ark... Noah's Ark was floating on water. Sometimes Scripture in our, is our only solid ground to stand on that keeps us from sinking. It can be the will that will help us to stay afloat. So if you're not reading your Bible every day and you're not studying the Bible every day, your foundation is sandy. You need to have a firm foundation. Number two, number two, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. I see this encouragement playing out in two ways. First, we can pray individually to God throughout the day. And it's easy to pray without ceasing. 
It's easy to talk to God, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. That's like an ongoing dialogue of sharing and listening to Him. I love how the Bible demonstrates God throughout the day. It shows Him specifically involved in each and every one of our lives. After all, it says He knows the very number of the hairs on your head. So, God specifically instructed Noah in order to save him. God will faithfully give us guidance too. God will talk to you if you listen. But you've got to listen objectively. You've got to listen not with your plans already made. You've got to listen and hear what God is saying to you so that he can help you with your concerns. It's amazing how God unleashes his spirit in our lives each and every day. Number three, affirm your faith with praise. Whether we're traveling safely through the storm or on or are still in it, God delights in hearing our thanksgiving and praise. Paul, who had been beaten, shipwrecked, and imprisoned, knew this principle very, very well. That's why he encourages us. Listen what it says in Philippians 4 and 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Doing so reminds us of the goodness of God and, the stre- and strengthens our faith. I don't know where you are today, but can you shoot your hands up right now and praise him? Can you talk to him? And again, it's a choice. It's a choice. The next thing is keep showing up. Keep showing up. Large feats begin and end with small steps. That's the old adage, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. This massive ark was built one piece of chiseled wood at a time. Every day that we are faithful in the small things, the small ways, we are opening the door for God to do something incredible that we cannot comprehend. We must take the concrete actions that only we can do to see our situation through. That's why it's so important to come to church. It's so important to be with people of like precious faith. It's so important to rub shoulders with people. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. Sometimes we're going through a situation that somebody in the midst has already gone through. And they can help us through it. But you wouldn't know that if you don't show up. You wouldn't know those things. And that's why God has made things that way. And then the last thing that I want you to understand is believe in miracles. Come on, believe in miracles. Sometimes we hope for a miracle and it doesn't happen. But sometimes we hope for a miracle and it does. We have prayed for people in this church We have prayed for situations, and we hear the answer. I hope you don't go, ho-hum. 
But I hope you magnify God knowing that He hears you. He says where two or three agree as to touching anything, He will hear and He will act. We have got to understand. Take the limits off of God. Don't limit Him. Open the door for Him to work in your situation and life. Noah was willing to risk everything when he did the work that God asked him. Plank by plank, nail by nail, the ark was built. That translates into prayer by prayer, affirmation by affirmation. God will see each and every one of us through. His hope and his presence will never leave us. He said he'd never forsake us. We've got to understand that. And especially with what is going on in the world today. This is getting crazier and crazier and crazier. People that are educated and supposed to be smart look stupid. You understand that? People running governments, they're believing lies. And they're propagating it on us. We've got to understand that God will help you. If you prepare now, right now, Choose you this day, right now, for the future storms that will surely arise. You will be able to withstand any stormy gale that comes into your life. To do that, to do that, you need to anchor your soul to the power and stability and wisdom of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? Now, anyone that has ever heard of the movie Forrest Gump knows this famous line, life is like a box of chocolates, right? When I heard that line years ago, I I thought, you know, it's true because when I was a kid, I used to poke all the bottoms of the chocolates to make sure I'd find the creams. And my mother and father were so mad at me. But I want to propose to you instead, life is like a tube of toothpaste. You probably thought I was going to brush my teeth up here today. A brand new tube of toothpaste is full and smooth, isn't it? Huh? Almost at times you just don't want to, you just don't want to make it look ugly. It's never flat or wrinkled when you bring it home from the store, right? So, when a person is born, they are full of promise and their conscience is clean and smooth. Let me go even further. When a person is born again, it's a second chance. So, now you look all full, smooth, you're full of promise, and understanding. We're fresh. We're new. We are full of great potential. Great potential and possibilities. And we are full of something beneficial, something good to give to the world that waits to hear us. Life comes with no wrinkles. And through much of our young life and our born-again life, we remain smooth and full. Okay? So, 
But life goes on. Life goes on, just like a new tube of toothpaste. If you're going to be worth anything, you will have to make choices that will bring out of you what's inside. You hearing me? Because there's stuff inside that needs to come out. You can't just keep getting full and full and full and full and full. And so you have to be understanding of the fact that you have spirituality, you have a mental capacity, and even physically you can do things. So your life is like a nice shiny tube of toothpaste. But now, let's make some decisions. Okay? Here's one decision. Here's another decision. And here's another decision. See what happens to your life? Your decisions, small, big, good or bad, have emptied you out. And you have made determinations. There are piles right here of your determinations. Let's imagine that your choices are all bad. Try to get the toothpaste back in the bottle or the tube. Can you get it back in? You got to be careful because sliding down the banister of life, you could get a splinter in your career. My wife didn't like that one either. <laughs> if all of the choices that you make in life are bad choices, hearing me? If all of them are bad choices, you are going to have a very messy life. A very messy life. And the advice I would give to you if you wanted to do life over, don't do it! Start now. Create a new end. Life is like a camel. It doesn't go backwards. So the great purpose of your life is for you to make correct decisions and choices so that those will outweigh some of the wrong decisions that you make. You can never dedicate your life to making excellent choices that will secure your future and that your family, children, and grandchildren will reap from unless you have a solid, solid relationship with Jesus and you have a firm grip on the full picture of life. You understand what I'm saying to you? We can't blame it on the devil. We can't blame it on somebody else because we are the ones that make the decisions in life. We're the ones, as we grow, that understand, I have to make a decision. My wife and I, when she calls me at times, she goes, hey, I'm coming home. Do you want me to pick something up? Yeah, that would be great. And here's the conversation. What would you like? 
I don't know, what would you like? She says, no, no, no. What would you like? She says, I really don't know. I'll keep it totally and completely up to you. Someone has to say, stop, let's not do that anymore. So, there are four things that we need to accomplish in life. Plan purposefully. Plan purposefully. Prepare prayerfully. Proceed positively. And pursue persistently. One has to learn to take good with bad. You're going to have bad situations, my dear friends. Things are going to come up in life that you just did not foresee. Things are going to happen with some of your decisions that you thought were right, but they weren't right. However, realize that you will have a surplus that you can draw from. Don't make it a bank that you continue to draw from all the time because eventually you won't have anything to draw from. My wife and I talk about a love bank, and if you're constantly downgrading your spouse, when it comes time to draw from the love bank, there's nothing there. That's how a lot of marriages end. That's how a lot of relationships end with people. They take granted people for granted. So you've got to make sure that you're doing the right things. Remember this, the triumphal song of life would lose its melody without minor keys. You've got to have minor keys. Your creator made you with so much potential. So much. Why squander it? Why squander it on the things of this world and the temptations of the devil? God wants you to choose the best. Since the choice you made today to come to church, I hope it will affect your future. I hope you'll do the right things. It's imperative to understand the importance of right choices. They will help you in life. And please, make those choices based on the Word of God. You have your Bibles. You have your tablets. You have your cell phones. Put it close to your heart. Keep that near you because all choices have consequences. One pastor put it this way. Many of our troubles occur because we base our choices on unreliable authorities. Culture. Everyone is doing it. Tradition, we've always done it this way. Reason, it seems logical. Or emotion, it just felt right. The highest character choices are based on truth and faithfulness to your commitments. You might just get with some of your choices thrown into the lion's den. But remember what happened in the lion's den. God shut the mouths. So you've got to realize that you can't buy your choices at the dollar store. You make them. 
Each and every one of you, when you leave here, you make the choices. Tomorrow you're going to have choices. Tuesday you're going to have choices. Wednesday. Make sure those choices are the right ones and they're in line with God so that God can give you the blessings that are necessary. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name or repented, why not make the choice to do that right now? Be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. If you've not been filled with the Holy Ghost, come down here and let people pray for you. Make the choice today. I still don't understand why people, why people balk at those things. Why people resist them. It's so funny. Over the years, giving people advice. And you know they're not going to take it. You know they're not going to listen. You know they're not going to do the right thing. And then when they get themselves into the predicaments that they so often get themselves into, they say, why isn't God listening to me? Or, why is God doing this to me? God's not doing anything to you. All he's doing is trying to get you to do the right things in life. And remember the good things of God. You know, I, I just learned this this week, and it was pretty astounding to me. When Joseph was in his troubles, and he was sold into slavery, and all that happened to him, he was elevated in Egypt, and he married an Egyptian woman, and through her had two children. Manasseh was the first, Ephraim was the second. And he called Manasseh, he said, Manasseh, because God has made me forget. Because he kept thinking, ruminating about what trouble had gone through. And then Ephraim was, remember God's blessings. When it came time for them to be blessed, you read the story and was brought before Jacob, Jacob reversed his hands. Joseph didn't like that. He wanted the hands to be Manasseh, forget, and on Ephraim, remember God's blessings. The only way that you're going to make it in life is if you reverse it. Remember God's blessings, and then you'll forget. Then you'll forget. God has given us a mind to make right choices, but he's also given us a mind to remember the fact that God is with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He'll always be there. Shall we stand? Each and every one of you, I want to say this, and I'll open up the, the altar today. It's been more of a lesson for you today. But I hope you've taken it to heart because what's happening in the world is only going to escalate. Buddy, I heard you pray this morning here, God, make it straight. That's not what's going to happen. There's no way to make this straight. In the Bible, we understand we're headed for a clandestine meeting with Jesus Christ. So this world is headed into darker and darker and darker situations until the rapture takes place. And if those of you feel that that's not going to take place, 
you're sadly mistaken. Jesus Christ is going to come again, but before he comes, this world is going to be in a horrible state. And it's the church, it's the church that awaits him. Whatever you do, it's going to be your choice. Your choice. But please, from this pulpit, make the right choice. Make the right choice. Joshua 24 and 15, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. So I'm going to open this up. I'm going to say a prayer. Today you need to make a choice. You need to make a choice. And once you make that choice, don't go back on it. Keep plowing forward and watch what God's going to do. Father, I come before you this morning knowing that you are here. You said where two or three are gathered in the midst, there you would be. So God, I pray today, Lord, that as they come down and they begin to pray, Lord, let them make the right choices. The right choices. The choice to serve you, to love you, to follow you, to tell the world about you. God, to shun the devil. God, expose evil. God, and to bring people into your presence. Lord, let them pray to make the right life choices. Because God, this world needs help. This world needs help. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, everybody, come down. You